I'm sorry that my mind doesn't think that fast because right now I'm mildly wine drunk. So if the quality of the podcast reflects that, you know, we know who to blame. What up, mi gente? It's Vero Fuerte. Yo, the Protar Americano, a.k.a. Mexican Natsu. And we're here to help you navigate the world as two Hispanics, Latinos, Latinx, brown people. What are we again? Well, that's what we're here to discover on the In Limit Spanish podcast. Each week, you'll listen in on two millennial minorities chop it up on what it means to navigate both cultures on and off the internet. Along with the latest in music, movies, and more. Here, here on, on the, the In Living Spanglish, Spanglish podcast. podcast. Que lo que lo que lo que mi gente i don't know how many times i'm supposed to say that to make it relevant but what's up everybody this is vero fuerte with it coming at you with another episode of in living spanglish here with me is my other hostess with the most forgive me for this intro it's really truly last minute um i don't know introduce yourself you gotta go have at it you don't always need an intro vero you literally just gotta go ricardo mexicano mexican not sue y'all we know what it is baby are our baby in the building 106 in Park Live. Just, just something like that. That's all you got to do. But yeah. I'm sorry that my mind doesn't think that fast because right now I'm mildly wine drunk. So if the quality of the podcast reflects that, you know, we know who to blame. But happy, happy birthday to Oscar Hainaga, an actor who uh, actually plays in the Luis Miguel, the series on Netflix. So happy birthday to him. And uh, speaking of birthdays, one of the biggest differences that I see a lot between cultures, especially living as a Latinx person in America, is that whenever I talk to, you know, my white friends or my black friends or basically my non-Latinx friends about, oh, I'm going to my mom's house for a comida. I mean, they get it, you know, they, you know, because like everybody has barbecues and everything else like that. But ours are so periodic, like us getting together is a big ass deal because I don't know about you Ricardo but I grew up with Latinos literally finding any and every reason to celebrate it wouldn't be like so much for us celebrating it would just be a reason to get together mm-hmm. so it, what's let, celebrating our togetherness whether it be like there's a soccer game going on mm-hmm. um somebody is in town you know um exactly uh, <laughs> What, uh, but you see what we just, you're saying? We just, everybody got out, got out of church the exact same time. So, uh-huh. so we're going to go meet up at somebody else's house. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. To and go. drink and put on music and like cook a carne asada for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. You always, yeah. always got to have the, the, the meat on deck. You know, that's that, that what he said. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, it doesn't have to be any specific reason or, or something special happening. It's just going to happen. You've got to kind of be ready. You know, you could be just sitting in your room and just or the living room, whatever it may be. And I don't know where your mom is like, you know, go down to the store and give me, you know, el, este, el, el adobo de, del pollo. From the super gallo or whatever. Yeah, from the super, uh, the mercado, uh, Monterrey or whatever it be, mm-hmm. uh, the Michoacano or el, el pueblo, wherever the store, if you're, you're from Tyler, you already know all these yeah, stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're from Jacksonville, it's the super gallo. <laughs> uh, nobody's from Jacksonville. No. Whatever. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, uh, a lot of them were pretty much the same. Um, now we specifically talking like birthday events or just anything that encompasses I mean, we like, can start with together. birthdays and then we can move on to get togethers i feel like they're both valid oh uh, birthdays um so here's the thing so with with your boy being a uh, a capricorn a january baby i mm. was unfortunately giving the the short on the stick when it was like if i got something for christmas <sighs> my heart bleeds for you guys i wasn't allowed to get anything for my birthday 
Uh, I mean, so there was there was a certain birthday where I was able to get away with it. Probably when you were like muy muy chiquillo. Yeah, I was able to get like something for Christmas, but usually the stuff for Christmas will be free. They'll be from mm-hmm. my, the Salvation Army, so then I could they could splurge a little bit more for uh for my birthday. I do remember it being so cool because, well, I mean cool in the literal sense because usually when we would have the birthdays, when we were having birthdays as a kid, mm-hmm. it would be freaking cold outside. I could vividly just think right now thinking of those pictures of me. As a kid and my mom hosting like those birthday parties and everybody would be wearing like sweaters and jackets because it's cold as heck outside. There'll be pictures and there's hardly like any pictures inside now that I think about it. I'm like, why, why, why were we ever inside? Like, why was everybody suffering because out in the cold? Because there were some, because there's, well, do you have a bigger family? Do you have like a lot of tios and tias and everything like that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I there's mean, probably too many people to like comfortably. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, but you, if, you know how Hispanic uh, households are. There's people. Oh, we'll squeeze people in. No, yeah. no, 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 it's not that. What I'm about to say is that there's people who, who, you know, can't stand each other. So they'll stay, they'll stay the, the whole entire time inside the house and never interact with the people who are outside. I had, I had we had a lot of that. See, so yeah. look, and Mister what you're telling me is that your family like had drama. Uh, I wouldn't say so much. Well, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. lie. Yeah, it'll be it'll be some drama. It wasn't like the biggest, biggest. Like, I don't want this to like be blown out of proportion. Like a like a Mexican Tyler Perry movie. Or yeah, anything? it wasn't like 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 complete like anarchy. Like every single like get together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there there will be there will be those moments. There'll be those like. Just people who don't speak to each other, who don't look at each other at all, and will like literally be on opposite ends of the house, back backyard, and then somebody inside, and they will try like not cro- try to cross paths as little as possible. They'll they'll be that, but you gotta remember, our fa- my family is very unique in the sense that there's the Mexican side, my mom, and there's the mm-hmm. Salvadorian side. Yeah, that's true. That's and true. I mean, you have experiences from two different Latin countries, which is something that not a lot of people can say. Yeah, and at least not at least definitely not from East Texas. Right, and. Uh, some of them, um, some of them get along. I'm not saying that they, they the, both sides of the family, they hate each other, but there are some. Not gonna draw any names, but there are people within both sides of the family who don't really. They don't. Not, I won't say they even hate each other, but they just don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of that cultural difference, which is something I think don't, people don't really talk about. They don't talk about that difference between Central America, South America, Mexico, the Caribbean, whatever it may be, and like how that is such a like we like to think of like Hispanics as like you know, one raza, but it's very, very different, especially if you're from, like, a completely different country. So what do you think was, like, a big, I mean, if you can say it, it the big cultural divide between uh, the parts of your family that, that didn't get along, the Mexicanos and the, and the Salvis? I think it boiled down to um, this very strong sense of a, a family, mm-hmm. especially, like, from my dad's side of the family, because a lot of them are, like, fairly new to, like, the United States, but my mom's side of the family, they're the ones that have been here for, like, for a very, very long time, since, like, mid to, like, late 80s, and then, like, the, my dad's side of the family, a lot of them have, like, only been here, like, the past 10 years, past five years, so it was, like, that 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 sense of, like, these are the only people I really know, so I'm kind of scared to, like, venture outside of, like, that, that clan kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, we're all that we got kind of thing. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I see. That's what I perceive. I've never really asked them, like, what it is. Just because there's just something that I feel like are, it's just between them. It's not really meant to, like, there's been, like, like shade and, like, and like stuff shade. I remember I remember hearing as a kid. Uh, and I, Oy, I don't want to... Even the Latinos here with the dramatica cosas aquí. Yeah, yeah. Oh and I, I don't want to say now because I haven't really heard it. I'm pretty sure people have, like, chilled and they're calmed down. They're, this doesn't really happen. But I remember as a kid, I remember hearing certain things of, like, certain family members back and forth. 
the only time that I think they would really, like, really, really in a mango and like get cool with each other was Christmas. Like, that's yeah. the only time I would see, like, the big, Porque big Because it's the Dia de Dios. It's the day of God. Yeah, it's the, it's the big one. Uh-huh. But they say that Jesus was actually born in August. But yeah, not, yeah, but, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, but that's absurd. We're not going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty much it as far as, like, big get-togethers. I mean, like I said, we have smaller ones. Like, where Pero it's, like, what about the comida? Is the comida the same, like, whenever, like, the salvi part of your family, are they, like... Oh, we're gonna bring over this kind of meat. Like, do they eat something like goat? Where, well, no. I know that Mexicanos eat goat too, but where the other side of the family is like, oh, like, why, why are we gonna fix no. that dish? No, nothing like that. No. It, so the comida's pretty much the same? Across both, yeah. It's, it's pretty much got in that salsa hot links, you know, pico, you know, the salsa that my mom makes or my dad's side of the family makes. Mm. Um, now, here's the thing though. They're very, like you said, it's very much divided. So if my, if my dad's side of the family comes over to my mom's house, it's just them. In a, in a it's, sense. Very divi- it's, it's very divided. It makes me really sad because my not, family is so much simpler. We're not, it's, not, it's really not that uh, complicated. Um, like, I've, like Because I've grown up in it, it's like exactly. all I know. So like me thinking that it's like abnormal, I'm like, no, not really. It's just there's this one side of the family that I, that I hang out with. Sometimes there's the other side of the family I hang out with, but it's not as often that they're doing it. At a, at a yeah, and group. I think that for a lot of people, especially like people of like, I mean, your fam, uh, your parents are still together or whatever, but people of like divorced parents and stuff like that. Yeah, they, they go do through that. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but my family is so much more simpler. I mean, I, I guess simple in the sense of that I only have my mom's side of the family con, with our comidas y todo eso. Like, and but also, oh, and also, I'm sorry, and I think together, like both sides of the family is pretty big, but if I just include like let's say my mom's side of the family. Is a pretty not small, but it's because of a lot of our a lot of our family is still in Mexico. So while our family here may appear small, it's because the majority of them are still you know living in Mexico. Yeah. Oh no, we have lots of relatives still in Mexico también, but you know, um, they're choosing to like l- stay there or live in Chicago or wherever. But even the little bit that we have of my mom's side of the family, it's still pretty big. It's still like twenty or thirty relatives all in one house. For the most part, it's pretty drama free. Now that I think about it, like the husbands of the of the tias that I have never show up. Like that side of the family, like never you know never lets themselves be known but honestly it's almost like even without all that like the little fraction that we have is still like 20 30 of us and we all get along for the most part we've only had like one or two altercations the entire time every and we get together a lot of times sundays just because i think the funny thing about comidas though more than anything else is that celebration is literally in our culture and i think about that a lot in how often that we just get together uh, we don't need most of the time we don't need a holiday i remember when i was little though birthday parties especially kids birthday parties i mean let's be real it was mostly just an excuse for like the adults to drink okay so i don't know why we pretend that it was anything else than what it was it got wild like yes. no, no, like don't get me wrong birthday, like, kids get, birthday parties are the wildest thing don't get me wrong like the adults were doing what they were doing but me just being a kid yo it got wild just with Bro. the kids it got it got insane it really did like when it came to like um like the hide and seek games that we would play, like around the house, like going insane. Like people would like kids get, fighting, like you yes, know. kids would get nosebleeds yeah. and like sprain like wrists and bones and things, and never tell the grownups because none of us wanted to get in trouble. And like then, shit. And then eventually, like when the piñata came out, and you know you were standing too close, you were guaranteed to get whacked by the garrote. 
you know, right across the neck. I remember one time I got it right here on the forehead, just bop. How, you know, I was standing way too close. How old were you uh, the last time you hit a piñata? Um, maybe like five years ago. <laughs> I think literally it was like two years ago. I think I was like I think I was like twenty six, twenty five. Because yeah. usually when I when I go to like my <laughs> when I when I go to my my little cousin's birthday parties, you know, I'll just stand there to make sure that because there'll be babies, you know, there'll uh-huh. be like little babies. So I'm, I'll be standing there in the circle watching them, but I'll also be looking at the little kids. I'm like, please don't go, just gonna get smacked. Like uh-huh. I'm over here, like like being like that. That like the like protective the, older brother, protective like like thing. older brother. Even though they're just yeah. my cousins, stuff like that. I'm just like, no, mm-hmm. you are finna get annihilated by that, by that, uh, that by stick. that giant stick. Yeah, bruh. so I'll be more, normally doing that. And yeah, I remember one time like they were they were taking forever because they were little kids. They were taking forever to uh, knock it down. So I just, you know, bro, you ever run out of patience when like the littlest, tiniest kid is like whacking the pinata in you yourself? I don't know why, but sometimes I'm just like something clicks inside of me. It's like. When am I gonna get this fucking candy? That's why you got. That's why you gotta sing the song. The dollar, dollar, dollar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, because we don't really. You gotta sing, sing the song. We don't really sing we it. We sing like it all the time. Come up. We're like, nah, man. We got. We gotta go. Like, yeah, we gotta go, man. Somebody gotta, like, gotta brush this just, thing open. We just give them free time until like we get tired of it. It's like, okay, it's somebody else's turn. Nah, we we sing so. it all the time. Like, nah, you no, you didn't break it too bad, bro. Yeah. Next one. Yeah. <laughs> it always. <laughs> we, we always. Nobody That's got uh, only the birthday kid. They they're the only one that get like that the, gets, the extra time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Everybody That's else. Fair. That's fair. Yeah, everybody else. And I forget you if you didn't make it with it by the, by the time the, my mom got done singing. I'm telling you because some of that ba- <laughs> some of those babies are they be they be taking way too long to like smack that. Don't even know what to do. They no, they don't even know what to do, and they're sitting there as like a two year old trying to pick up the palos. Like, okay, well, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there like, really? Like, oh my gosh, when's it gonna be my turn so I can whack this like horse thing? and like get all my snickers bars what's wrong with you yeah and then, and then uh and then eventually here comes that that big tough 11 year old mm-hmm. and I, I look around like everybody oh, yeah. just get back yeah that's uh, you know this, when to protect the kids because this kid's about to send yeah. mickey mouse into orbit right yeah, now yeah exactly exactly because you already know and then when it finally breaks and like the candy scattering everywhere like you still have to watch over the no 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 i immediately go for I immediately about go, to be trampled i immediately go for the kid with the with the with the stick i'm like no no stop it you're done you know, uh-huh. and I, I like you take it away from him as soon as possible because everybody, you know, is around yeah. him. So he's like, he's still got all that uh, she yeah, or he, because he still got adrenaline. Somebody by like uh, uh, by just a few degrees. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, you're right. Like there were pretty much guaranteed to be severe injuries at any uh, birthday kids uh, party, whether it be from the kids themselves or from the from the adult and you know what i don't even remember when i made the transition because i because i've realized this year do you remember how old you were when you made the transition from hanging out with all the like kids and playing like hide and seek and playing tag y todo eso and like entertaining them or being with them to sitting around drinking a beer with the adults with like the quote-unquote like grown-ups and I like still just shooting the shit i still don't do that you still hang out with the kids uh no i hang out with like my brothers but i don't i don't i don't sit and drink with adults I, I'll, like, part of me will feel bad because I remember just, like, six holidays ago, I was hanging out with, like, Jasmine and, you know, like, the little kids, and it's, like, a whole, like, evolution of sorts when it comes to uh, Latino uh, comidas. Yeah, no so. doubt. I'll, I'll talk with the adults, but I won't drink with them. Yeah. Like, I won't I won't drink with Why, them Why, is it, like, a moral thing for you, or? No, no, I just don't really feel the need. And then I'll, I'll switch back and forth. Like, I like to, like. That full circle. That full round. Like, I'll, I'll spend some time with my brothers and, you know, people my age the adults like my dad and like my uncle and stuff like that then i'll look at the kids and spend time with them because mm-hmm. they want to talk about like 
anime and, and like certain Legos. movies. Uh-huh. Yeah, so and I can and you know you know I'm and I'm still ten year old at heart, so I can still yeah. speak their language. Same. Uh, very easily. Okay, and then what's next, Baby Johnny? Oh, uh, you already know what it is, man. Moving on to entertainment type business. You dig? Um, so we got Brothers Garcia. Anybody remember that show? I remember it. You remember it. Oh, they remember my it. Gosh, my heart. Apparently, so the show lasted from the year two thousand to two thousand four. Mm-hmm. It was on Nickelodeon. It was really on there for four years. It did yeah. not feel that way. It felt like it literally felt like it was only on there for like two summers. I feel like it was one of those shows that was on for like I said four years, but because they probably took so many breaks in between, mm. you probably didn't see the continuous. Like so not, not it wasn't something like I, I Carly or Drake and Josh when it was like always on. Yeah, and you felt like how long this show had been on air. It was one of those shows that I think probably took hiatuses like throughout the years that it was available. Yeah, like Hey Arnold did a lot of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Cause remember that we saw that video about the last episode? It just mm-hmm. aired on a random like Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. No announcement, no nothing. So I think Brother Garcia got the same treatment, which is a shame because it is the first um, Latin-based sitcom. In Nickelodeon. Uh, in Nickelodeon. And so th- for those that have never watched Brothers Garcia growing up, what was the show about? Uh, it was about this Hispanic family in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, and it pretty much, I mean, sitcom, you kind of pretty much speak for yourself. You kind of already know what's going to happen. Uh, the best thing about it is that there was no laugh track. There was no laugh track at all. Yes, and God, it, yes. And it took a very different approach because there was like a, there was a, a narrative. There was like a, a, a narrator who would speak. And the narrator, narrator was supposed to be uh, a grown-up Larry, mm-hmm. which is the, the youngest sibling. And uh, kind of like retelling his story of like him growing up. So every single episode was. Can I just interject here and every, say that it was say, very how I met your mother esque, but also I mean just in the sense of again it's like this older voice narrator narrating of the narrating the story through a younger actor that's actually playing the part, and also the Wonder Years. It was very Wonder Yearsy for me because it was very like uh, coming of age with this little kid that was narrated by this older guy, that sort of thing. I was gonna say uh, everybody hates Chris too. But before everybody hates oh, Chris. Yeah. yeah. Everybody hates Chris was, narr- was narrated by Chris Rock. Every yeah, single episode. Well, I didn't realize how often that trope was made. The Wonder Years, Everybody Hates Chris, How I Met Your Mother. They all had that, you know, that adult voiceover with the younger. I mean, I don't really count How I Met Your Mother because, like, the, the actor was not retelling it from, like, a super, super young age. You know? Yeah. Well, but- I think, no, it, like, 20 years had passed. Yeah, because no, but Ted, because, what I'm saying is that Ted Mosby was in like 10, 11, or 12. No, you know? he was an adult. Yeah, he was an yeah. adult for sure. Yeah, Wonder Years for sure. And then um, Everybody Hates Chris was like years after. Well, not mm-hmm. not too many years after. Because like I said, Brother Garcia was pretty early, 2000, yeah, 2004. Yeah, and then Wonder Years was like Fred Savage. Or and that was in the 80s. So yeah, yeah. they, they mm-hmm. did that. They, I'm pretty sure they weren't the first to do that. But they, I, I, I would venture to say they probably popularized it. So yeah, Latin-based family based in San Antonio, Texas. Just going through the motions of like what it is to be like a day in the life. Yeah, to be a, a a Hispanic kid growing up, you know, whether it be girl problems, whether it be you trying to like taste your dad the salsa because you think you're finally ready for it. I remember that episode. <laughs> uh, you going to uh, you, you're trying That's to make it, trying to make it to a uh, to a, uh, a lucha libre match, and mm-hmm. then getting stuck on the side of the road because you have car trouble and being scared that there's some and sort of made like, for a TV movie that came yeah. out of it también. Yeah, yeah, uh, where they go to Chichen Itza and reveal some secrets of the Maya. And that Lucha Libre one, uh, I forgot who had to go. I think Larry had to go pee inside the forest. But his brother, George, kept telling him, like, no, the, the cuckoo is inside there. So, you know, they, they touched on that trope, too. Uh-huh. Uh, so he was scared to go inside and, uh, and pee inside the forest. 
Um, it was a hella progressive show for like because you said that it came out what in like two year two thousand or two thousand two thousand two thousand four. I was like seven or eight years old then. You yeah. know, I mean, into to yeah, and I remember watching it because I remember being super attached to it. I mean, of course, like back then I was eight years old, I had no idea what like representation and all of that. All I knew is that there was somebody that kind of looks like me talking about salsa and churros and like su familia and things like that and stuff that like I related to and identified with without my little seven or eight year old brain attaching oh this is representation of my culture my Latin kind I mean there's nothing wrong with us having the awareness of that now but it's so funny how that even as kids we recognize when we're being recognized does that make sense no yeah it does because there was this part of me watching it that always, I remember having like this weird, especially with the first episode, mm-hmm. the Lucha Libre one. I remember always having this very, and it wasn't like a, the only way I can explain it was like a scared feeling, but it wasn't me being scared. It was like, I think what it was was my body trying to, or my mind trying to process that like, hey, I really relate to what's going on. But, but I remember vividly watching it and like my body like almost like, like this weird sensation, like, like, what is this? Like, I know. There's something going on in this show that I don't understand, but I understand it. Mm. I remember feeling that. And it's something, I, it's something that I can never forget. Like watching a lot of those episodes, feeling like I know what's going on because I relate to it so much. It's possible that as Latinos, you know, we saw, especially as kids in the early 2000s, we saw so depictions of us growing up and like common latin culture that wasn't you know like a stereotype trope or something like that that when we saw that we almost didn't know how to react and it's almost like we were so used to like sort of an extra like an extra arms disassociation from these characters like that we grew up and then we loved i mean we loved as told by ginger we loved you know i mean hey arnold i mean we loved you know uh drake and josh or iCarly or whatever we lo- we loved all those shows and Kill, all yeah, that. yeah yeah exactly we loved all those shows i mean but we were never aware that we that something was missing we were never aware of something was uh, that something was missing that our representation of it was missing until we started to witness it through shows like Brothers Garcia and then it took us uh, i guess internally it, like shifts us by such surprise like why do i identify so much why does this feel so familiar it's like our 7 or 8 year old insights can't process that they're telling our stories i mean is that i'm i'm just i'm not trying to put words in your mouth but is that kind of how you felt Ooh, that something could be depicted so accurately maybe that's maybe, that's what i'm saying maybe, I get, that's maybe, what i was trying to describe. maybe looking back at it now maybe like like you said like i couldn't know what it was then but maybe looking back at it now i can like understand like okay maybe that's what was that that sensation i was feeling within exactly, me exactly because we're so used to like relating at everything from a distance we're so used to looking at drake and josh and you know whenever they have girl problems in school like oh yeah they're having girl problems but like it doesn't hit as close to home as when we're watching, you know, Larry go through things in Brothers Garcia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the only episode that I remember very distinctly was the one about the churros, about how uh, the dad was trying to go on a diet or something like that to lower his cholesterol. And he was trying to, like, resist churros, like, for a whole week or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Because, and, because because his wife made, like, the best churros or something like yes, that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I remember thinking, I'm like, have I ever had churros like that? Because, that, because their churros look different than like, the churros that I ate growing up. And like they made me really, really want 
to have some of theirs. So, so they're having a comeback. Yeah. It's yeah, the so, whole point of all yeah, this. So, yeah. So yeah. all of that has led up to this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so HBO Max has announced. We're professional folks. You can see this. Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> so HBO Max has announced the sequel uh, just a few days ago that, that they've ordered 10 episodes to be produced. That will serve as a sequel as a reboot to the original to the original show. So yeah, uh, and it said that all of the main cast members will reprise their roles. So you know, and they took a picture of like all of them like in a reunion uh, pre-COVID. I think it was like maybe late 2019, maybe early 2020. So I mean, hopefully the show turns out to to be something that is a lot more appreciative now that that's going to get a second run. Because I think maybe that I think mm. for for what it was. I think it was so impactful back then, but it just wasn't in the right time, you know? And I think oh if they can... Oh, gosh. Yeah, but I feel like if they can recreate something that had that same soul, that same love and spirit put into it now, I think it can really be... Because let, let's be honest with each other, Riddle. There's so many, like, Aladdin shows that are produced nowadays, and a lot of them are... I don't want to call them crap, because I'm pretty sure they're putting their... their I'm pretty sure they're putting their, 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 heart, their heart into it. it. But a lot of them don't turn out good. Like, Hentify is, like, one of the few examples where it's, like, a very good show. Yeah. It's, like, maybe not you the didn't best. Li- you didn't like it, but I love it. Like, well, I, I think yeah. it's good. I, yeah. I wouldn't say I love it. Mm-hmm. Because I do, there, are, there still are certain things where I'm just, like, Hentify's well. Hentify's on Netflix. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's on Netflix. Ugly Betty, to an extent, like, when it was around uh, with, with America Forever, the English. It's a yeah, good, like, melodrama the, the thing. American, I didn't watch it a whole lot, but it's not really my genre. The American adaptation yeah. was was good. La Fea Mas Yeah. Um, I never saw... Um, Jane the Virgin. Was that good? I never saw that. I'm so glad you brought that one up. I, I think what the point that you're trying to make mm-hmm. is that because we've come into a time where, and this is a very delicate thing to even talk about, even in a Latinx-led podcast like ours, is the idea that where is the line of representation and quality? Because we don't want to just be represented for the sake of representing. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, like, I mean, I can't speak for everybody out there. Like, everybody's going to have different opinions than me. And then if so, then, like, fuck it. But I don't want to be given a green light for an idea or for a project or for a screenplay that I'm working on if it's not actually somewhat good. Just because I'm brown does not give me an automatically entryway into the door because then I don't feel like I've earned it in a sense, you know? And there's got to be a delicate balance of it because, yes, like, we deserve to have more of our scripts read. Yes, we deserve to, like, be given more chances, uh, like, because we've been muted down and watered down for so long and, like, to be told, like, the different versions of the stories that we all have because we are all so individual, but they can't be crap. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just what it is. It's like, we still have to come out with quality stuff. Yeah, and it's just very, like, good, rare examples. Like, And I feel like the more obscure stuff is the one that usually gets it right. And, it, and it's usually movies, like mm. Blood In, Blood Out, like the, the game movie, if people watch that, that's a very good one. American Me was very good. Maybe I, me, me Vida Loca was really good. 
Uh, George Lopez is the only one I can really think of that was mainstream that was revered by a lot of people, not just Hispanics. That was like, yeah, it was, was good. Was it the most accurate? No, but it did touch on a lot of things that you can relate to for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think that. I mean, as far as the George Lopez show, as far as sitcoms go, you know, I mean, if you just look into that genre itself, I that's mean, the it biggest was, one. That's the yeah, biggest one. Yeah, it was so the far. biggest one, and it's a, it's really solid. Uh, but you brought up the whole reason that like you made me go off on this tangent was because you brought up Jane the Virgin, and Jane the Virgin is a perfect example of a show that my white friends recommended to me you know gina rodriguez my white friends recommended jane the virgin to me and so i thought okay cool i mean this was like about two uh, this was like at the start of the pandemic and i'm like okay cool well i need a show to watch you know i got nothing else to do and so i really tried to get into it I, and I think maybe I could i think this would probably happen to me the same uh the same way that maybe ugly betty um would have happened to me too it's like it's too soapy and this is just my personal opinion this is not like on the actual merit of the show this is just my taste it's too soap opera-y for me to where i know that it's very tongue-in-cheek and to me it's just it doesn't it's not funny and my white friends uh, my white girlfriends are obsessed with this show and they watch like all six seasons or whatever i don't care you know and does that make gina rodriguez like a bad actress or whatever does that make the show crap not necessarily but that doesn't make it that doesn't mean that i'm not supportive or hateful towards the show itself or towards the representation that it allows it's just not my thing you know yeah exactly i mean look at there's plenty of black media out there that doesn't really get a lot of support from its own community Mm -hmm. does it mean that they hate everything black of course not yeah and again with if brothers garcia if this reboot sequel comes out and it turns out to be crap you know like i mean it's gonna be unfortunate you know and i mean i'm sure there's gonna be like a lot of factors that go into it right there's a lot of factors that go into anything whether it comes to like screenwriting or directing or publishing or marketing or whatever then no one can blame us for not liking a not good product whether it's represented for us or not yeah exactly but uh, yeah, we're, we're still excited about it. And we still hope it's good. We hope it's fantastic. We so. hope, uh, yeah, of course. We don't want to see it fail. Yeah, of yeah, course w- not. Of course it's good. Uh, of course we hope it's good. Yeah. Um, I want to bring up one more thing. It's uh, Gotta Kick It Up. I always feel like that doesn't get enough love. What? A- oh, okay. I thought you were going to go the opposite way. No. Yeah, no, I feel like it does. I feel oh, like, my God. I feel, like, I feel like it's like Gotta Hispanic. Gotta Kick It Up is like the... Wait, 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 wait. The That's cheerleader. the Si Se Puede one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I feel okay. like it's like, like, as far as like Hispanic... Even though it was a Disney Channel movie, uh, it wasn't like the biggest mainstream thing ever. I feel like it's it, it didn't, of course, touch on everything related to Hispanic culture, but I think it did a really good job mm-hmm. going back and like I think I think I watched it like one time on a whim, not on a whim, but I just watched it randomly like maybe six years ago because I think somebody uploaded it to YouTube, and it wasn't that bad. It really yeah. wasn't. I think I think it's very solid. I think it, it will probably still hold up to this day. And I don't even know what year got to kick it up. Uh, two thousand two. Two thousand two. So obviously there was like some sort of like resurgence that was trying to happen around like I mean at least that's what it seems to me around the two thousand two thousand two mark where you know we were trying to ha- like kickstart. It's kind of like you know when you pull the string on like uh, on those really old school lawnmowers and you're trying to get the engine to start that's what our latinx representation was at the time you know and obviously it didn't get started then but you know uh, it makes sense why the brothers garcias are, are trying to do their sequel now because now the platform is open and ready for the taken i think it's funny that you brought that up and uh, why did you have to bring up a lawnmower related to I mean, like latino oh, things oh okay my bad <laughs> That's very inwardly racist of me. Nah, you're fine. Nah, but I was going to say, 
I think you know what happened is that I think people, I think the, I think the TV studios, uh, ABC, I think, cause I think it originally aired on ABC. I think mm-hmm. they struck gold with George Lopez. And you know what happens to a lot of times, what happens to a lot of. They try to replicate what works. Yeah, but I think what happens with a lot of minority based like projects and TV shows is that they get stuck on something that works. So they just, they just uh, go with that. And there's like, there's no it's more, sp- there's no space for anybody else but that. Mm-hmm. So while we love Joe Lopez, the good show, I think when people saw that that worked, they're like, all right, we got it. Let's keep making episodes because that show lasted for a while. You know, let's keep making oh, episodes yeah. and anything else that's trying to like enter this space, don't allow it because there's only enough space for this one thing. Which is fucking ridiculous. You know, I mean, they don't say that about white people shows, which is like just called a show. How many seasons did Friends have? I mean, did that like, uh, yeah. but like, whatever. Like I said, it's a, it's a very deep. We could talk about this forever. But. Yeah, we really could. We really could. We kind of went off on a tangent. This was just supposed to be a short segment, folks, and it did not turn out to be that at yeah. all. Because, <laughs> like, don't get me and Ricardo started on Latinx space media, bruh. <laughs> but, okay, so another uh, piece of news that we had is Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to come out with another project soon called Vivo, Sony Pictures' first ever musical adventure. And, of course, Lin-Manuel Miranda, you know, being the original writer from Hamilton and all of that, he's going to write all of the songs from the show as well. Oh, so Lin-Manuel is also going to be voice acting. And it's Zoe Saldana. Saldana is going to be in it as well. Brian Tari Henry from yeah. Atlanta is also going to be in Vivo. So that's going to be really funny. So what's the what's the the plot? What did it say? He spends his day playing uh playing music to the crowds with his owner Andres. And apparently there's a tragedy that happens, no spoilers. Uh Vivo uh then becomes in charge to deliver a message that Andres never could a love letter of sorts, and then he goes on an adventure to deliver that love letter after tragedy occurs. So, it definitely sounds like something that's going to make me cry just by the basis of that. And I'm, like, super, super excited. Theatrical release is going to be June 30th, 2021, you know, once you're all properly vaccinated and all of that. But, yeah, that's going to be Vivo, Sony Pictures, Lin-Manuel Veranda is going to be writing uh, writing all the songs, and uh, just bring your tissues, mi amigos. Sony. Okay, so it's not Disney, so it's Sony. No. Okay, gotcha. Um, so the next thing is something in the podcast world that recently happened. And this might be like a little meta or a little nerdy, but, you know, stick with us. Yeah, and if you follow other podcasts, which if you listen to this, I'm pretty sure you follow other other things for sure. The Joe Budden Podcast. If you follow the hip-hop sphere, if you follow Joe Budden, if you know what's been going on lately with the with the, uh, the drama, the, 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 the inner workings of the show, and what transpired with, like, the past month with Rory, his co-host Rory and Maul, leaving the show... So basically, Joe Budden, there was a lot of things in the in the atmosphere for a long time that there was tensions between him and Rory and Maul, right? And talk. nobody really knew what it was gonna uh, it was about. They just felt the tension every time they would do their podcast episodes. And then one day, randomly, out of the blue, they just stopped showing up for like, what, a month? Three, four weeks, right? It was like four or five weeks yeah it was literally it was like a month it was like a month of like normally weekly episodes where like all three of them are on there two to three a week podcast oh wow two to three a week mm-hmm. i thought they were doing weekly no they do two or three a week okay so they miss like basically like 12 episodes yeah. of the podcast it's so weird because if you don't know joe budden joe budden is the oh. joe budden you know is, how i feel about joe budden joe budden is your the bi- the bipolar rapper before was cool to be a bipolar rapper. 
Like he's the one that that started the whole. You, you want to say you want to say Drake started emotional rap? Like Bo, Joe Budden was doing that in two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five. Uh, I mean, look, his, his uh, record label, his mixtape series was called a uh, Mood Music. But Joe Budden, rapper, if you didn't know, turned podcaster. Uh, he also did radio in between all that. But now he's mostly well known for his podcast. What it boils down to is that I think Joe once again was displaying typical Joe tendencies. If you know him. And what he was shown was a means of self-sabotaging. And by that is that Joe is somebody that feels like he can do it all and be very unappreciative a lot of times. Where he feels that if he... He doesn't need anybody's help. He can carry the whole thing himself. And not so much that because he'll have... He has a whole team. Like, one of the big things they brought up in in the the episode was like... Maul was like... If there was issues, Ma, this is Maul talking, one of the co-hosts, one of uh, Joe Budden's friends or whatever. Yeah. yeah. He was saying, like, if this was me, I would have stopped the episode, the, the the podcast, and we would have sorted this out, and we would not come back until we until sorted everything out. Until everybody was on board, yeah. But Joe was like, like, how dare you tell me to do that? Because I have people to feed, you know? I have a whole team. I have people. I have engineers. I have a whole, they have families to feed. How are you going to tell me to stop this machine from moving? You know, kind of thing. Which you know, yeah, to, I see that point. To an extent, yeah, he had the point. Yeah. I get it. I think what it came down to was that I think both of them saw a lack of respect, respect from like what they had contributed up to this point, and that they were saying that hey, if this thing has to end, it has to end. But don't try to make it seem like we never put in our weight, we never contributed anything to this. And that's pretty much what it came I mean, down to. the whole to. reason that they feel that way about Joe Budden in the first place is because there's been a lot of even, like, and you know Charlamagne, if you guys know who Charlamagne the God is, if you know, you know, and just say, you know, Joe, why aren't you respecting these people more? Or Joe, like, you know you're eventually going to self-destruct, and you know they're replaceable, this, yeah. that, and the other. You don't other. need them to succeed. Yeah. yeah, and every single time, like, even if all three of them were in the room with Charlamagne, like, being Charlemagne, you know, he would not speak up for them. Yeah, and, and and it really does. He would not be like, nah, bro. Like these are my homies. These are my ride or dies. Like we we sink or swim in the ship together. This, that, and the other. But no, like Joe's problem is that he's so fucking individualistic. Like he, I I think it's bullshit when he's like. I mean, I think it's a valid point when he says, you know, I have to keep this machine going to like pay the engineers and the videographers and everybody that has a hand in this podcast. I mean, that's a valid point, but I don't think that's what his true motivation is. I feel like that's bullshit on his personal end. It's just like because everything that you've seen from him before, it's just like he doesn't ride for those Nigels. He doesn't. I mean, and I know very little about Joe Budden. I mean, you're way more into the hip hop sphere as far as like his actual music and shit. And I just barely got to know him a couple of years ago on the podcast. And I used to have an ex-boyfriend that was crazy about Joe Budden. And I told and he even showed me a couple of episodes and straight up from the get go. I was like, no, like, fuck this guy. Like, I just didn't like his vibe. I didn't like the way that he seemed to treat people. I didn't like the way that he presented himself. And... I mean, not that he gives a fuck what this little 28-year-old, like, Mexican chick from Dallas, Texas thinks, but I just don't think that he treats people right, and I don't blame his co-hosts for being upset. I think that he did, I think that he did disrespect him, and I think that, I mean, even though we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, I think that on some level, he's probably still disrespecting them, whether they're back or not, so. Yeah, and I feel like, I don't know what it is. Like I said, I think it comes down to a very, like, personal and inner thing within Joe that mm-hmm. is such a, like you said, very individualistic, very egotistical self that he feels that 
he is always in the right. He is always the best um, sense of like what's right. Because he's had a history of doing this with like other productions. That what, he's been what, a part whether of. it be music, record uh-huh. labels, you know, Little TV pr- relationships, shows. Uh-huh. TV shows. Like, what was the last thing that he was in that he was with um, Complex? Oh, Everyday like Struggle. Yeah. yeah, Everyday Struggle, and he did a similar thing. I mean, not so much similar, but he's like I said, he's he actually cleared a lot of that up in this recent episode. So a lot of what I said before, mm-hmm. I kind of don't take it back, but now I understand like what what his exact uh, reasons were for leaving. He mm-hmm. pretty much said that he left Everyday Struggle because they kept pushing certain things that he just wasn't what willing to do. So like he said, because people thought he wasn't like showing up at all to like record. He said he'll show up, but he just wasn't doing what they wanted him to do. So by that, they weren't. He wasn't meeting his his contract, so he eventually just left. Mm-hmm. So once he explained like that, I'm like, okay, you're being disgruntled, but ultimately you you left on your For terms. Artistic differences. Yeah, you, you left on your terms. I get whatever. that. Uh, no, no shame in that. But I don't know. Like I said, it's a very it's a very complicated thing because on one on one end, and, and I think one of them said, I think it was Ma that said, on one thing that. He w- he said that he was such a person that thought that all this could be like intermingled. He thought that the personal and the business was always going to be. That Mal thought that, or yeah, that Ma, Joe thought. Ma, okay, Mal thought that that the personal because they're such good homies. He always thought, yeah, the, even the, off the air and stuff. Yeah, exactly. They've been friends. They've been friends for years. Mm-hmm. Like Joe and Mal more so than Joe and Rory. Joe and Rory have been friends, but Mal and and Joe go back like two decades. Um, he th- he said he would never thought he would hear the day where Joe would call him and say like, "Hey, man." take a break from the podcast without no explanation whatsoever mm-hmm. or that, Hey, I don't, uh, you don't make this thing run, you know, kind of thing. I do. Like he thought, he said he would never thought he would, he would hear the day where he would hear that from Joe's mouth and without, and Joe's a very, and Joe's that type of person. He won't explain things. He'll, he'll be very, he'll be direct. He'll be straightforward, but, but he, he won't, won't elaborate. Explain. He won't elaborate. Yeah. And oh, I, think, I hate that kind of person. And I think a lot of I it. I have to talk shit to death. I'm. That's why I have a podcast, folks, because I have to talk shit to death. I cannot deal with that kind of person. So I wish, like I said, I wish it was something that I can get. There's more, like I said, there's more to it, but it'd be way too many names and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. we don't have enough time or like think or or have the foresight to think that everybody knows what all these individual players just know that. I'm just saying, just know that when Ricardo inevitably trash talks me and goes off to like host his own podcast, you guys know why. It's because he took a page from Joe Budden. Okay, so I'm on to you, Mexicano. Don't think I'm not. Quit putting stuff in the air. Okay. <laughs> but Vettel's going to do that to me. Whatever, homie. Whatever. Okay. All right. So what we have next, folks, is going to be back uh, in place of Ricardo's Conspiracy Corner this week. We are hitting you with a que maldito tweeted. What the hell, Twitter's back. I enjoy doing Conspiracy Corner for the past two uh, pods, but you got to get back to the OG, to the original. So we know it's going to be really weird. So we know that Hitler, right? Adolf Hitler. Oh, my gosh. Where are you going with this? Leader of the the National Socialist Party, also known as the Nazis. Yeah. From 1932 to 1945. He might have had like a paragraph or two on my social studies. You know, that man, right? Yeah. Yeah. Funny mustache, everything, right? Mm -hmm. Reichstag. Um, Bugs Bunny impersonated him. Yeah. mm Mm-hmm. We know how much of a terrible person he is, you know, probably one of the worst people in human history, right? That's fair to say, right? One of them. Recently it came out that apparently, this documentary, I don't even know if it's out yet, but apparently Hitler was into sadomasochism, uh, so that's the SM part of BDSM, had sex with his niece, so this documentary Like you claimed, need more awful things from this man. 
Yeah, apparently he was into incest and he and he was into sadomasochism, which ultimately sadomasochism do what you want. If that's if that's, if that's yeah, what if gets you, you off. Get freaky like that, then if, you if, know. If Hitler wants God to get, you, baby girl. if Hitler and all his evilness wants to get freaky, wants with, ass chaps, then you with, know, let with, him have it. Wants to be tied up by a rope and candle wax dripped on his chest, um, but while Eva Braum like looks at him wearing a full tuxedo, whatever. The incest part, though. That right there, and uh, that is not wincess. In- incest is not wincess. That, what, what the saying. hell is that word? Wincess? Yeah. It's a, it's Did a, you just come up with that? No, no, it's a mean. What does that mean? There's no such thing as wincess. It's not, but that's the point. Ah, the internet is a scary, scary place. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, <laughs> all right. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and then people were talking about it. Uh, but like, but you can't just like make things up about this random dead person. Like, who's here know. to verify this shit? I, I don't know. They say it's in a documentary. Who knows if it's true? It's probably not. To be honest, I just well, think it's funny. Well, you should have watched the documentary. <laughs> I don't. I didn't have enough time. I just saw this today. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like. Uh, well, that's the whole point of Que Maldito. Exactly. Is that we don't verify shit. No, we ain't verifying nothing. Nah. I, I verify stuff, but not this. No, uh, not on Que Maldito. <laughs> I saw a funny uh, quote tweet. Somebody said, uh, uh, "Y'all ready to cancel this man now?" <laughs> like that's all it was. Like y'all ready. And I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, and as I, and if, I, and like I, the seven million Jews weren't enough, bruh. What? And I and I commented um on the exact same post, and I was like, and I was like, uh, this man canceled himself seventy six years ago because uh-huh. Hitler committed a uh, suicide. So, oh, trigger warning too, um, suicide. Talk. Even the mention of it, you know, you yeah, got yeah, to be considerate sure. of people. For but, sure. But it's Hitler's suicide, so who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who cares? And que maldito tweeted. Yep, that was it. Okay, all right. So moving on next is we have our unpopular opinion. So this week I had uh, ended up uh, somehow finding myself in the hospital. You know, I'm fine, folks. Everything's a-okay. You know, I'm obviously up and going and I'm here in the mic talking to you guys. So everything's all good. Uh, the day that I was in there, you know, just getting myself checked out, making sure everything was a-okay, I was on my stories because what else are you going to do to, like, make time go by? And Pulp Fiction was on the hospital TV. Yeah. I just made a little bit of a recording of it. Uh, I would love Steve Buscemi as an actor if he wasn't such a fucking creep. And that's what I put on my story and that was it. Then, not even, like, 15 minutes later, I get flooded with dms and it's not and it's not what you think and not oh vero you're in the hospital are you okay oh vero are like what's going on i hope you're well oh vero my best wishes nothing like that it was bro that's not steve buscemi that's christopher walken so my unpopular opinion today folks is that these two men look exactly the same uh well, retract that. Steve Buscemi looks like a wrinkled up raisin version of Christopher Walken. And anybody who doesn't agree with that is uh, like, I think personally needs to get their eyes checked because you have to at least acknowledge the similarities that a lot of white people, a lot of white actors just look exactly the same. And, you know, that's my really unpopular opinion, really unpopular opinion, because a lot of men, you know, that are very big Tarantino fans, apparently, just uh, called me out in my DMs. You know, fuck the fact that I'm in a hospital, but let's focus on Pulp Fiction. You do this to yourself, Veronica. I do not. You do it to yourself. (laughs) Nobody's trying. You you, you think that people are, like, coming for you? You do it to yourself. They are coming for me because they are incorrect. They are right. They 
You cannot tell me. Look I wore glasses. Look you, at the pictures. You said somebody needs to work. Steve. Look, and right after that, I even like cropped a picture of Steve Buscemi like right above Christopher Walken. And you cannot tell me that these men, okay, they both have like shrunken faces. They have the same triangular face shape, the same sunken eyes. I think they're both of their eyes are blue. You know, how can you blame me for getting these two men mixed up? So do other, like, ten other white men. Doesn't mean they look exactly. the same. Exactly. Doesn't exactly. mean they look the same. I'm just, I mean, it depends on the white men that you're talking about. For example, Adam Driver and Ezra Miller. They okay, remember the, the last time that we were watching, what was the, the Stanford Prison Experiment? Yes. The one about, like, where they, yes. like, do you, all the You thought that with Adam Driver. Yes. Yes, I thought that, I thought the guy pretending to be the officer guard guy in Stanford Prison Experiment was the same guy that was playing, like, the the gay teenager and Perks of Being a Wallflower. I didn't know those were two different men. And then, and then you and I, like, we started arguing. I was like, no way in heck. That is not, that's the same guy. And then I was so for sure certain that I pull up my phone and then, of course, you know, the great uh, debate equalizer, Google, proves that i'm wrong which only proves that i'm right in the bigger argument that a lot of white men a lot of white actors and actresses look exactly the same look there are some actresses famous actresses actors that look the same all right yes but the two examples that you have brought up adam driver and ezra miller steve buscemi and christopher walken they do not look alike all right you are you are are crazy you are a terrible judge of character when it comes to faces I think that you're incorrect. Hold you on. I am are going one of the me. worst people when it comes to looking <laughs> at face. You can hardly remember anything that you saw within the past five minutes. That is not. Okay. And see, now you're just exaggerating. <laughs> it, I do not. I, I, you, I will like, I will go against you at most things and like try to make my point. But this is exactly. something, but this is something I can't because you're so wrong that there's no re, there's no, I can't even entertain this, how wrong you are. I think that you're literally just taking up. Just look at the numbers. How many people are saying you're wrong? I don't know. A lot of them. Oh, my gosh. What was that? There was somebody else. And you know what? I'll be honest. Like, it mostly pretends to white people. But there was, like, uh, this black actor, which I I, I don't bring up a lot because, you know, there's that stereotype. I got, oh, one time during a board game, I got, because you know how, like, you have those trivia board games and you have to act out the movie or whatever. And uh, somebody had to act out the movie and I had to act out and I had to say who they were impersonating. I think they were, like, saying a Shrek quote or something. And I got Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. <laughs> oh my god. This just proves my point. You were just terrible at faces. I wish I you just, wish this was a video podcast right now because if people would have seen your face when I said those two names. Oh my <laughs> You're just terrible at faces, but I'll admit it. I, okay, I am terrible at faces, okay? And the Mar- Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence saying, okay, I will completely admit I was in the wrong for that. I was. I'm not great with names. But you cannot tell me that when it comes to certain white actresses and certain white actors that there's it's a lot of vanilla in there. There's not a lot of spice. So I'm sorry that I can't different unless you grow a beard. You know, like, I don't know the difference between you and you. Like, my hands are up in the air right now. I don't know how else to say it to you. I can agree with you that there's some people that look alike, yes. But the examples you have brought up are completely wrong. Okay, so who do you think look alike then that I'm not a complete crazy pants? Because I'm trying to pull I don't know. Bring some people right up. I, I don't know. I can't think of anybody who like looks alike. Oh, Zoe Deschanel and Katy Perry. That's someone that They kind of look alike. alike. Okay, I can see that. I can see how they look alike. 
So why can't people see how Christopher Walken and Steve Buscemi look alike? Because they don't. They're old white men with shriveled up faces. But Perry and Zoe Deschanel are just like angular faced white chicks with black hair and bangs. Like, I mean. Yeah, but there's more similarities. To I them. don't think so. I yes. think it's about the same amount. No, there's not. Anyway, that's my unpopular opinion. Okay, I stand by it. I don't care if Ricardo agrees. I don't care if you male population of our podcast listeners agree because at the end of the day it's unpopular so that means i win folks this is still one of the worst unpopular opinions ever not because it's it's a bad unpopular opinion it's actually in in those terms it's probably one of the best it just sucks i just got to say that one more time <laughs> uh my unpopular opinion is um one that veronica thinks is like super popular which yes to an to an extent i, think I agree it's a bad unpopular opinion in the title of having an unpopular opinion because i don't think it's that unpopular. i don't think you see the other side though i think uh-huh. that's the problem so my popular opinion is and it's something it's very classic taco bell is not that bad and and I, let me put in context i say this because i've met a lot of people who say that it is terrible it is this it's that it's blah 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 my thing is they're not trying to be anything they're not Mm -hmm. all right they know what the reputation is they know their image and the one thing i hate i hate i hate the the one thing i hate the most is when people automatically start saying the the classic line and maybe you know it if you if you're gonna read my mind you know what it is uh i think i have an idea it's not real mexican food and as soon as i hear that i'm like bro you've completely missed the point they have never called themselves Mexican food. Never. And I don't look at them as Mexican food. All right. I, I'm one of the fortunate Mexicans that can, like, put things apart, that can separate things. All right. I know for a lot of Mexicans, it's hard for them to, like, look at, like, Tex-Mex and Taco Bell and other things and, and Chipotle and, and 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 not think of them as all Mexican food. I'm, ha- I'm glad I have that ability. Thank you, God, for blessing me with the separation abilities to separate Mexican food. Because, yes, I know what authentic Mexican food is, obviously. Look at my last name. I know what it is. <laughs> it's in your name. Yeah. Literally. Like, I know what it is to... Ha- I know what authentic Mexican food is. I grew up with it. I know what it is. But your boy also loves some greasy-ass Tex-Mex. And I love some greasy-ass Taco Bell. All right? And there are people... There's very good bad food out there. Yes. And, like, Mexican food does not exclude itself from that category. Yeah. Authentic Mexican food is still very bad for you. Some of it's still... No, like very good, like there's good trash food. Like yeah. sometimes when you're drunk and it's like 2 a.m. and like you just got out of your friend's house, like you just want to drive through and you want to eat some trash. Forget that stipulation. I'll get it at 1 p.m. when I'm completely fine and sober. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get I'll get it. I don't care. You see me. I'll leave, I'll leave like at 8 p.m. to go get something like a talk like talk about whatever. It to me is cool. It's good. I enjoy it. My body feels terrible right after, but I'll get over it. The point is, the, the the point I'm trying to make is that while there are a lot of ride or die Taco Bell fans, like don't get me and don't get me wrong, I I know the fan base is there. People love the Doritos Local Taco. People love the Chalupas. Which to this day, I've never had the Chalupa. People love the Cine Twist. People love the Baja. Yeah, the Cine Twists are yeah. literally styrofoam with sugar. They, on they it. yeah, I mean they're yeah, Cine they, are they disgusting. literally explode as soon as yeah. you put them inside your mouth. Mm-hmm. Pause. But <laughs> I love the Baja Blast. I love the chicken quesadilla, uh, five layer burrito. Uh, they used to have the Chipotle, uh, little slider thing, whatever it's called. Um, God, what was the name? It was like a limited time. It was like back in high school. But they, Don't ask were, me. I've literally had like maybe five different things since that. Those things were amazing. I can't remember what it was. Like me and Eric, like we we have ventured and talked about for a very very long time. Always trying out the limited. You know how like we are with a lot of things like limited editions. Uh-huh. Me and Eric, I like that. We'll talk about. 
I do remember Taco Bell one time they had, oh my gosh, the one thing that I was crazy about on their menu that I'm so sad they never brought back was uh, the uh, Captain Crunch like Cinnabon things where basically it was just like their cinnamon roll things that explode in your mouth with the creamy todo eso. But it, but it was uh, Captain Crunch flavored. Oh my gosh, they were so good. Of course you would go to Taco Bell for the cinnamon. We ain't talking about that. We don't care about mm-hmm. that. We want the burritos. They had the potato rito thing. That was good. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. And the, the quesaritos were good too. Mm-hmm. The quesarito they have. Anyway, my popular opinion of that, I think there is way too much Taco Bell hate. Unless there's love too. Don't get me wrong. The hate is still there. The hate is strong. I hear the rhetoric. I hear it at work. I hear it in the streets. They be talking. And I'm here to tell you guys, give it another chance, all right? Maybe you haven't had a Taco Bell since 2002. You, just, you cannot expect it to taste like Mexican food. It's that not Mexican. That's what I'm saying. For people who... Don't go into it thinking that way. For people who had a bad taste in 2002, it's 2020, y'all. It's 18 years. Give it another try. It's not that bad. That's it. Well, I mean, and just to do a little insertion, I like finally pulled up the page full of uh, uh, white actors that are supposed to look alike. And there's some that I even disagree with here. Uh, they have like Jordan McHale, you know, the guy from the community yeah, next yeah, yeah. to Ryan Seacrest. And I don't even see that. Nah, they don't look alike. No. See, I don't think so either. Uh-uh. Uh, and then they have Mark Wahlberg with Matt Damon. I could kind of see that one. Vaguely. But see, see like, one. but you see how like there's... Oh, look, they have Jordan Sparks in America Forever. You know what? I they could do see that. Light, yeah. See, I could see that. Oh, Jesse. I- oh, yes. This is one that I used to get confused with all of the time, and all my white friends would hate me for it. Jesse Eisenberg and Michael Sarah. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Literally one. the same thing. I, I could tell them apart just because I'm very good with faces, but I can see where people get confused. Oh, my gosh. Almost the exact same face. Okay, all right. Well, that was part two of my unpopular opinion. Sorry, folks. Still very wrong. Whatever. <laughs> Okay. Okay, so Vettel, what do we got next? The very last segment. Go. Yes, we have Glow. We have Good Looking At. This is where we tell you what we have been into this week. Uh, what's been on my uh, streaming spiel as of late has been a show on Netflix. It is called Yasuke. It is about a uh, black samurai. And uh, Yasuke is an original anime from Netflix, which I, I, I mean, I commend Netflix for like kind of being adventurous because for the past couple of years, they've really stepped up their anime game up and i don't know as far as like what the quality is because like i said i've just now started to dip my toe in anime just this year but i just think that it's really cool how they really leaned into it you know and provided so much more content for a very specific group of uh, people that are really into it but yes so this uh yasuke is set in 16th century feudal japan and it's uh kind of a reimagination with like magic and advanced technology so there's like at the same time as there's like samurais y todo eso there's also uh robots uh but there's this uh, african name uh african man named yasuke that uh ends up being more or less like the right hand man uh a warrior and a leader the there's only six episodes out right now but it sets a lot along uh it sets along through present day as he's trying to help a little girl a certain leader to help harness her powers uh but at the same time as he's going through that journey with her he also has flashbacks of his past and flashbacks of like when he was a younger samurai and all the stuff that he had to go through and different things like that things that i love about this series and all eight episodes of it is that they do address you know just the discrepancy in how abnormal it is to have a black samurai out in japan and how like his position in society was something that a lot of people questioned because it's like why are you chosen to be the right hand leader 
of our Lord. And that's why they, a lot of times, like his reign of the Lord descended because they questioned his judge of characters. Like, why are you going to pick like this random black man that we don't know where he's from? You know, like, look how dark his skin is. And not only that, but he also like appointed uh, a woman to be like his, uh, his second right hand man or whatever. So anyway, he was... He was very different thinking than a lot of people in feudal Japan. And that was a big source of a lot of uh, discussion on the anime show or whatever. I would say that this show is pretty bloody and gory. It's good. I will say that in the last couple of episodes, it kind of lost me. And I don't feel like it carried out the plot all that well. Like it sort of got muddled through at the end. The first couple of episodes, I was heavily enthralled because I thought they were going to be more detailed in what they were. But it just, in that end, okay, fun fact. So Yasuke is voiced by the one and only my uh, future baby daddy. I kind of half joking, kind of half not. It's not. Uh, <laughs> Lakeith Stanfield and I have to say baby boy I love you I adore you did what I say rubbed off his voice acting is terrible I'm telling you it's terrible it's laughable it literally like it sounds like me trying to impersonate a deep voice man like that laughable and that comical like you cannot believe it for a second like you can you can hear like when he tried to like drop a register in his yeah, voice yeah he's like hey man uh that's not the honorable thing to do and i'm like i don't believe you lakeith i don't believe you i'm you know? telling you that first episode that we watched together as soon as uh, i heard yeah. i'm like I know this is Lakeith, but it's so hard to take it seriously because I can hear him I trying. I know. It's so, it's, it's literally so comical as far as the voice acting goes. So, I mean, normally I come out here and I tell you about a show that I absolutely love or that I've been intrigued by. I think that this show is valuable in the sense of, like, the story that they try to tell is really interesting. And keep in mind that there's only six episodes. They're only 30 minutes long. So if you want to run through it and watch it, I still recommend it because I feel like shows like this do deserve... A a watch just to see just to get a taste of what other possible kinds of stories like this could be told and actually be told well like i said i thought i thought the plot was kind of messy and the voice acting was sloppy but i appreciated the attempt and for that i give it a solid uh six out of ten veronica stars but i'm definitely gonna watch it still um I'm hopeful- yeah, watch it and then tell me what you think hopefully i i, I enjoy it uh, more than a six i i see myself probably giving it a seven now what about forward- yours Ricardo? so mine is the highly acclaimed film that recently came out uh, came out that um, was snubbed from the Oscar, in my opinion, and it that, was stolen. And that is the Sound of Metal, starring Riz Ahmed as a Ruben Stone, and it's based off a drummer who is slowly losing his hearing and his ability to try to adapt to the world you know with music as well as just life in general this movie is a very it's a slow burn for sure it's um there are a lot of moments where you think it's gonna go one way but it goes another it's very unconventional in the way it moves into the method of like what they were doing to get his hearing back by him attending that that almost like that remote compound it was like not like a halfway house for deaf people, but it was sort of like a commune for deaf people. That's what it was. It was, it was. and it, and I think they said in the in the uh, when the movie that this place is like for people who are like recently out of jail or people who are recovering uh, drug addicts. Um, and I I don't know, man. Like, there's something about this movie that it really made you see the the validity of what some people are going are willing to go through. 
but also at the same time what they harness within. If that makes sense? No, like, elaborate. Wh- like what they're willing to go through, but what they're harnessing within. Because constantly what you saw within Ruben was somebody who wanted his hearing back so bad, but for the wrong reasons, you know? He I did- don't think that he wanted it for the wrong reasons. You don't think so? No. He wanted it uh, like for any other reason that he would that any other human being would want their hearing back to get his life back. I think he was hasty. Maybe that's the better way of saying. I the reason that I love this movie and like this was a movie that we watched together is I think it's phenomenal. And uh, didn't you mention also that uh, the actor who played it was uh, the first Egyptian descent actor that was uh, that's nominated for an Oscar? Yes, for best actor. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, he did he win for that? Mm-mm. Oh. No, I don't think Again, so. Again, totally stolen. I don't, I don't, I don't think he won. I'm pretty the, sure. The interesting thing about this movie as I was watching is that I could, I could obviously see both sides of the two things that he was battling is that this was a, a drummer that played metal music. That's how he made his living and he started losing his hearing. When he had the means to get his hearing back, he did what any of us would do. He would do everything he can to recover it, to get his life back. But in the interim, while he was learning to cope with his loss, he met people that only really ever saw their deafness as a gain, as an advantage, as they learned to appreciate it as a part of life. You know, the silence, the stillness, to be able to communicate with each other, to play just like just as other kids play. Their life is their own version of normal and that was completely valid and that was enough for them so when he goes out and he tries to fix you know and get his hearing back you know his uh sponsor the guy that you know extended this opportunity for him for him to even join the deaf commune for him to have a place to be among other deaf people he said we don't look as deafness uh, we don't look at deafness as an illness around here we don't look at it as something to fix right you know and so you could see both sides of that and that was super interesting to me the entire time it was an emotional roller coaster exactly that and also the thing you brought up about uh learning to appreciate being still remember uh, you know, without giving too much away, they don't really give too much away as far as the plot goes, but there was a point where the person, the guy who, like, extended his arm out to, like, have him join the, the commune was like, I want you to go inside this room, take this piece of paper, and just write, mm. and just sit. And you would see him... Get nervous. You would see him get nervous, but you would see him in the room and just, you know, start screaming, you know, start pacing back and forth really illustrating that he didn't have that stillness within him at that point Mm -hmm. to really forget what it is to like have hearing you know because like it's not not so much not so much yeah not not so much forget maybe that's the wrong word but like know that hey this is happening but are you willing to sit down and like really face it and towards the end you know like i said i'm not gonna spoil anything you really see those very few moments you finally see him like really take that in for what it for what he was being told that whole time as far as like stillness and like you know taking in the moment and accepting things for what they are. I just think that this movie is so relatable on even like even if you're not deaf obviously and or even if you don't have a family member that's deaf and has this particular uh, situation. I related and I know so many people that could relate it with his qualm about the stillness part. You know, uh, when he's uh, when it's suggested to him that he goes into a room every morning at 6 a.m., uh, drinks a cup of coffee and just sits there on a t- uh, just sits there in front of a table with a notebook and a pencil and just writes no music, nothing in the background, nothing. It's it very visibly gives him anxiety. 
and I don't blame him because I got nervous when like the the commune sponsorship guy said it. I got nervous for him for him for myself, and that's something that we I feel like a lot of us, especially in this day and age, would face with not only some of us suffering from actual anxiety but just that we live in a very anxious world where you know when we have to have immediate gratification and everything's go 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 and everything you know on social media is instantaneous to have nothing there in an empty room to distract us and just be alone with our thoughts you know in stillness and god if you believe in god and all of this that and the other it's a lot to ask anyone living in this world today to do that, you know? And I found that very mo- uh, that moment in itself very profound. It's a very good movie. I love it. Uh, we were talking about the Oscars last week, and I was, um, obviously, I watched this after, after we recorded the last podcast, but now watching this one, I definitely wish that either Judas and the Black Messiah or Sound of Metal, heck, I, Sound of Metal, yeah, Sound of Metal would have been my vote to uh, to win Best Picture because this one, I think it spoke to people on so many different levels, uh, deaf people, not deaf people, and it definitely should have won. And No Man Land, I mean, I I love the actress in that one, but it was nothing compared to this. Oh, and before I forget, like the use of sound, like for a movie that's based oh, on yeah. a deaf person, the use of sound. The way they like, I don't think I've ever seen a movie demonstrate. Engineering was off the chain. Please stop that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever seen a movie so viscerously like show the decline of like somebody like losing their hearing, mm. like from like that scene at the pharmacy, you know, trying to talk to the guy behind the counter to like the tapping that you heard on certain things. Don't to, give everything away. Like, you I'm gonna just, leave them they, something they, to taste. This, this happens throughout the film. Just yeah, put out very. Yeah, but like let them come up to it themselves geez like it's just there's certain way that they use sound very profoundly in the movie that like really showed you like man this is hard this is hard yeah this is hard like Mm -hmm. like like i would i couldn't even imagine anybody being in this position let alone myself Mm -hmm. you know so you know just kudos all around the film was amazing i give it um nine out of ten yeah nine out of ten yeah same i would say for the movie that it is, I would actually give it a nine and a half out of ten. Uh, you know, one of my favorite movies in the world is Peanut Butter Falcon, and um, I would put this movie, Sound of Metal, in my like top thirty. That's big. That's big claims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I can put it top thirty. I would put it top thirty. You know, right next to like Big Daddy from Adam Sandler. So that shows you my. Taste. I've seen a lot of. <laughs> I've seen a lot of movies. I would have to think. I would have to think about. I have to rewatch it. Yeah, to, like consider. I loved it. I loved 30. it. But and that was our podcast, folks. Thank you again. Muchas gracias. Uh, how do you say thank you for being here with us? Oh, gracias por estar con nosotros. Gracias. Con nosotros. Sí, gracias por estar con nosotros. Uh, maybe by the next podcast, I'll actually sing the out of the box theme song in Spanish. That'll be fun. Don't forget to subscribe and uh, share in all of your social media. So, uh, suscribir a donde escuchen los podcasts y compartirlo en todos los redes sociales. Y con eso nos vamos. Peace out. Oh.